Let's get to the money. Hey, welcome to Divine Honey Podcast. I'm your host, your friend, Tamika Johnson. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome. Woo, this show is about human experiences. This includes thought-provoking conversations, and most importantly, our Divine Honey guest sharing stories about love, life, journey, and purpose. If you're watching live, or on the replay, and you feel inspired, show some love in the chat. Questions, engagement is welcomed. So you guys, this is technically two years of me doing Divine Honey Podcast. The first episode aired on November 7th, 2021, and my first guest was my brother Tim. His episode, number one, go back and watch that, is... Be who you needed when you were younger. Tim, welcome back. And welcome back to like celebrate this little milestone with me. Um, kind of introduce your, yourself, what you want the folks to know about you. Give us a little a little something. Hello. <laughs> no, I'm playing. Uh, how's everybody doing? Tim Johnson, uh, father, brother, cousin. Educator, all the things, coach, advocate, whatever you need me, I'm that uh, utility player. I like that utility player. Thank you for joining in because today we have a really great discussion. It's men and mental health. On my platform, you know, things that I'm involved with are a lot of women empowerment things and kind of rolling into the next year, I just want to have more conversations with men. I've had men on the guest, but have something centered a little around them so maybe us as women can understand them and therefore we can understand each other. So, Tim, why do you think this type of discussion, men and mental health, is important? Um, I think it's important because men overall, I think we mask a lot of, I don't even want to say I think, I believe we mask a lot of our emotions. Traditionally, the man is the provider, the protector, and with that comes a level of fear, anxiety of actually telling people that I'm afraid, I can't do this, I can't meet this. So in essence, we, we mask it, and then those behaviors come out in all different kinds of ways. That could be suicide, that could be abuse, uh, spousal abuse, that could be leaving your family cheating mm. it could be it could just lead to a lot of different factors of behaviors because we're afraid to express our how we feel and our emotions inside where does that level of fear come from because i know even women we will though we have those issues too but we will express some um, at some point we will express for the most part that we're going through something maybe at the last hour where more so what you're saying, maybe men will act out. So where does that fear? I mean, I think there, there are a lot of factors that contribute to the fear. Your upbringing, first and foremost. Like for me, if I'll speak for myself, you know, I didn't have a father in the home. So a lot of role modeling was never done. The role modeling that I've seen of expression was from TV or mm. from other men in my life, coaches, teachers, what have you. Um, I would say as a whole, just in my community, you know, we have 
Um, I think I think it's changing. The dynamic is changing as far as fathers being in the home. However, there still are a lot of fathers out of the home, and I think when you have a single mom, and I don't want to take nothing away from single moms because mm-hmm. I love them. Um, my wife was a single mom at a point in time. Um, you still need a male presence in the household just to teach a man how to be a man, and I think that that is missing in sometimes. So again, when we don't have that role model, we don't have anybody to show us how to express then we figure out how to express it in our own our own pathways. You know, speaking of um, the male role model, I know there's a lot of fathers that are, you know, taking care of their kids, um, being husbands, being all these things. And so they think that's enough because they're doing it in their own, they think they're doing, because they're doing it underneath their own roof, they're doing enough. But father figures and role models, should that be, a community healing type of thing. Like if you know so-and-so down the street as a single mom, if you have the capacity, checking on them, or if you have kids, bringing their kids together, what can like men do as community healing in that area? Sure. I think you said it already. Uh, it's the capacity. You know, um, a lot of times we, we want people to do more than what they're capable of doing. And then when we ask folks to do that stuff, it makes it worse. So first and foremost, like for men, we have we have to know ourselves. We have to know our capabilities. We have to know our limits because we can be outstretched too. And being outstretched can also lead to different pathways of expression as well. So um, knowing yourself, knowing who you are, being secure in who you are, uh, and just being able to role model. Because I think a lot of times we look for leaders and leadership, mm-hmm. and that's a skill. A lot of people don't possess that skill mm. or that capability. And there's a level of awareness that is attached to that as well. And people don't tap into some of those things because all of those things are taught. Now that skill can grow, you know, human growth is a part of the the journey that we're all on. And for men, we most definitely can grow. We just have to be open to that growth also. Do you think the pressures, like, you know, so you have women, they give birth, they have all these things. There's a large rate of single women um, single moms, especially in our community, in the black community, we have, there's a gap and there's things because of that. Um, in the comparison, you know, do you think, what can bridge the gap for us to understand each other in that? I think women feel like they're doing so much. And maybe sometimes when men are explaining themselves, we're like, we don't care. I have to deal with this, this, that. So how do you bridge that yeah. gap? Well, early intervention is always going to be the best practice. Um, anytime you're getting into a relationship where you're going to um, co-create, you want to have that conversation. You want to have some kind of dialogue at mm-hmm. first. Um, oftentimes, we miss that. Um, we're so driven by lust and physical attraction that we miss some of those small details that help a relationship grow. And because we miss that, it's hard to come back to a point in time when I was mad because now there's already a level of resentment that's already been created and built up. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to break through that. Um, Now you can break through that most definitely can break through it. Um, It's just a lot. It takes, it's a lot of effort and folks in both parties, because we're 50% of every conversation and relationship that we're in, both parties have to be able to be seen, valued and heard. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times I think people are seen, but they're not valued and heard. So then that's where that resistance continues to um, stay in place. That's fact. So what pressures do you think what society places on men? 
Like, what do you feel like society, the expectations? You know, we just went back to, back in the day, men paid all the bills and they did this, this, that, and the third, but things are different now, right? Because things cost more. No one can afford, realistically, the average person can't afford that, so you have the pressures of that. Now, women, we work, we, there's, we've leveled up, so we don't need to have husbands to survive anymore. Right. So what pressures does that put on the man where now we're still wanting those same things and maybe you can't give it? I think the pressure comes in um, from social media. I think mm-hmm. a lot of everything that you just mentioned, there's probably some kind of list or some kind of meme or something that is attached to that, mm-hmm. of all that that you just said. And traditionally, I believe that a lot of men still want to hold those traditional roles. For sure. And due to the fact that they're not able to, then when you have a woman come in and say, I need I need you to be this, I need you to be that, I need you to do this, I need you to provide this, and I'm only making $60,000 a year, we don't actually equate how much things cost in the big picture of things. So we want to come out and we want to provide, we want to do these things, we want to stunt you know, say for a lack of a better word. So then once we get used to that, um, that situation or that circumstance, that pressure now is mounting more and more and more because I can't continue to live like this. Um, There's a reality check and there's a humbling that happens on the man side. And when that happens, am I able to have that conversation with um, my partner to let them know, Hey baby, we can't do this no more. We can't live like this. I don't have the means. Um, And then, on the flip side, if the woman is the breadwinner, breadwinner, um, there's a there's a um, fear and anxiety I think that plays in effect because now as a man I'm supposed to be that provider I'm supposed to be that protector in which I still can, but I I become insecure in the fact that I'm not able to do all of those things that this woman is doing for me and now I look less than. But in reality, there isn't a less than because you guys are partners. Oh. But that's an established covenant covenant that has to happen. Prior to, as I was speaking earlier, those conversations are very important to have because in true partnership and true relationships, um, we're able to have open conversations where sometimes the conversations are hard to have, mm-hmm. but they are had and they're had in love. They're not had in judgment. Um, they're had in curiosity so that the other person can find whatever is happening because everybody has a need that has to be met. Oh. And oftentimes we're not meeting those needs for either one person so then the t- 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 teeters. Mm-hmm. That's what's, so then it comes to being able to be vulnerable, to have Absolutely. those conversations. So yep. is it harder for men to be vulnerable? And just start there. Is it harder for men to be vulnerable? Do you think that? Yes. I don't know, actually. Like, there, I don't think there's any scientific research right. that would support whether or not vulnerability is for whatever. I think the vulnerability comes from an, uh, insecurity. So if you're, and I'll just say men and women both, women, mm-hmm. men and women alike, if you're secure in who you are and yourself, you are able to be vulnerable. If you are not secure in who you are and, who, and in yourself, that vulnerability is going to be a challenge. Because, again, in that insecurity lies that fear and that anxiety. So now if I open up and I tell somebody, do I trust them enough for them to keep my secrets and to hold that stuff inside, which then amounts into that pressure, which then 
now I've been holding all that inside. It's like a volcano that's about to erupt, mm -hmm. which then can turn into a whole different situation that we never even wanted to have. And not using people, you know, you know, in relationships, you're confiding in each other and, you know, you get into it and using it as a weapon. So then right. the, then the yeah. trust totally breaks down. It breaks down. Yeah. And then you don't trust anybody. And I think, I wonder if even for men, like once that trust is kind of broken, even going back to your own, to your mom, if your mom breaks yeah. your heart, it does something to you. Yeah, it's deep. It's deep. You guys, let me look at the chat. We got people blowing us up. Bridget is on with us. Bridget Giles, welcome. Um, Brittany Rideout. She said, hey, Johnson. Yeah, she said, hey, Johnsons. Congratulations on two years. Um, Brianne, your wife, conversations had in love and curiosity. That's right. And then Bridget said, yes, so good. So thank you guys for um, tuning in and add your two cents. Come on, y'all. Let's get it. Let's get it going in here. Um, another thing is, you know, we talked about the father figures and having that capacity. Um, how can we get more people to have? I do want to add this. Bridget just kind of says something. Broken people, we need to teach healing is okay. Right. Yes, facts. And I love and it. it's a journey, too. Let me just, can I just add? Yes. Healing, healing is a journey. I think a lot of times because adversity hits during your healing journey you regress and regression is easy because it's always i would say it's harder to work on yourself and it's easier to fall back to the old ways of who you were it's so much easier to do that because every day we wake up we set that structure we set that routine something hits us okay now i don't even want to do the structure routine because now it's hard that healing has to happen in order for new relationships in order for yourself to form new relationships with others because broken people hurt broken people and there's nothing that can can grow when when that brokenness is inside a hundred percent and even when it comes back to regression even when we talk about like forgiveness you're on your yeah. healing journey you think you forgive and something will happen you like maybe i haven't and you got to do it all over again all over. but yeah. also forgiveness is a choice so you got to choose I'm going to go down this road again. <laughs> and, you know, even your healing is a choice. Right. So what things do you have in place? I know you've grown up without a father, and recently we just, I don't know if you're okay with speaking on this. <laughs> go ahead, but, go ahead, go ahead. Put it out there, put it out there. We're putting our business out here. Look, it's going to be a whole thing. Okay. But we're being vulnerable. We're being vulnerable. So speak on your dad's situation. I think you, it's your story. <laughs> yeah, see, I, I turned it back around. Because uh, we had a journey with him. Just speak a little on that. Yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, all right. So a couple weeks ago, yeah, I think it was a couple weeks ago, maybe three weeks, two and a half weeks ago, uh, my cousin sent me a, an article of my dad who... I believe he said he's 59 years old. Still looks good, though. So I can, I know where I get, you know, my genes from. You know, mm -hmm. I, a lot of times I thought I was adopted or what have you. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so he was uh, he was caught on some charges of I want to say it was armed robbery, maybe, or stabbing or something. He shot somebody. I read it again. I had to read it out loud. All right. Yeah. Yeah. He was. Yeah. He was doing some stuff. The person is alive, though. The person is alive. Um, it could have been even in self-defense, low key. Mm-hmm. Uh, ain't no, ain't no saying. But anywho, my man's is still out here thugging at 59 years old. I guess he got the name Shakespeare for a reason. You know, he's still out here doing, doing his dirt. But yeah, so for myself, I think my thing was when I found sports. You know, honestly, when I found sports, I was able to get into brotherhood, uh, be around other men who essentially just said, you can pick how you want to live. Like, we know single mom, your sister, you're living with your sister. We know your story, Tim. So everything is up to you. You're athletic enough. You're smart enough. You have the gifts. Um, it's whatever, however you want to do it. And I, and I took that information, and, you know, I've had stumbles. It took me almost, like, until I was 28 years old, until I, like, understood what being a man was when I found uh, my wife now who I'm married to right now you know what I mean so it takes it takes longer for other folks but again as we were speaking on that journey um, there will be regressions there will be adversity there will be triggers that come along with your growth and your healing however you can't let that stop you from getting to where you want to go I also found uh, became secure in who I was and I think that's the that's probably one of the hardest, truly the hardest things to do for anybody, men and women alike, is to find truly who you are and being comfortable in your own skin. When I give presentations in Des Moines Public Schools, we talk a lot about coming in as your true person authentically. I try my best to role model that. I'm with my directors, I'm cracking jokes. I'm with teachers, I'm cracking jokes. Whoever I'm with, I'm cracking jokes. Um, but when I know it's time to be serious, I can be serious too. But I'm able to be who I am. I don't have to mask anything. I don't have to fake the funk. I can come into work and I can be me. And there's nothing more freeing than being able to be your true authentic self. Mm-hmm. And everybody around you respecting that. Because that's another thing is that level of respect and the boundary that you have to put in place. Mm-hmm. I let people know that I will not. And I the boundaries thing just came to this year. Like um, when we started this school year, I just get... I was getting tired of, you know, different administrators or different school staff or what have you talking to me any kind of way or demanding of me in any kind of form or fashion. And folks will do what what you allow them to do. And it doesn't have to be disrespectful how you respond and how you set that boundary. But the number one thing is when you do set that boundary, you can't bend on that boundary. Because once you bend, you will open that door for them to take advantage of you again. Standing on business. Isn't that what they're saying now? Standing, Standing on, on business. business. Standing <laughs> on business. <laughs> I got a couple things. So Bridget, her comment. Well, let's start. Brianne said, every day we get a choice to decide how we want to live. Every day we get a choice this side. I like that. Girl, you're going to have to post that somewhere. I love it. Oh, Tim, you said it. She's quoting you. You guys are a team. Y'all both said it. And then Bridget <laughs> said, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Thank you for your transparency and your truth. Boundaries are so okay. And folks, 
will do what you allow them to do. A hundred percent. So even men, like I think, and this goes for them, but we're talking about men. When you're going into dating right. um, and having those conversations and even you guys like setting up boundaries. How important is that? Do men think of it that way? Because I know in like our whole women empowerment movement, it's always like, girl, you have to have, we talk about having boundaries and having a healthy relationship and all these things. Did you have that into going into marriage um, and your relationship? Did you have any men in your circle like giving you advice or guidance? Well, advice is always hard to receive because it's just somebody else's experience. Oh. So sometimes it's like, I don't even know if I want to hear it. <laughs> right. To be honest with you. Uh, but I think just, I would say specifically for like black men, I think we're fickle. And what I mean by that is we go from trend to trend to different group to what's hot and what's not so often mm -hmm. that we don't buy into each other as, as men. We don't take each other serious as men. We want to come and we want to crack jokes. We want to come and we just want to come around and we want to party. It's always some kind of vice or something that's there that draws us together versus coming together and actually truly breaking bread and getting to know one another. Um, I got a couple friends that now are going through their journey as far as trying to figure out who they are. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy because I, I salute them, man. I, you know, I praise them. I love it for them. I wish they would have done it sooner, but you know, everybody's journey is different. And when mm -hmm. it's that time, it's that time for them. Um, and then you got some other people that are like, dang, why that man ain't around no more? Why that man ain't partying no more? Why that man ain't doing it? That? But that's what we do to each other because we don't understand what growth is. At certain point in times, a lot of the stuff that we were doing in our early 20s, teens like that stuff just has to start to fade away like it's okay to occasionally do something like that mm -hmm. but now as we're becoming men fathers older mentors and role models you know we have to we have to we got to remember that there are people that are looking up to us and whatever relationships we have we have to be able to role model so that those kids can role model you know working in des moines public schools we got kids bringing guns to school that's public information so mm -hmm. um, anybody can search them on public schools I mean guns are a problem across our nation um, knives fighting and these are like our black youth and a lot of that I don't want to I don't want to blame put the blame on something I'll put the blame on a lot of different variables and factors in that mm -hmm. um, but in, the, in, in that there's no role models of what does this look like how do we how do we solve this how do we restore those relationships because a lot of a lot of our youth now are broken because of we didn't lay any foundation for them mm. to come up on the foundation that we set for them was already cracked so as soon as one of them hit the whole thing went through so now we're trying to scramble and set up all of these solutions and interventions to support our youth but we hadn't did it we didn't do any of that early work and that early work was now that i'm about to be 34 this month you know now i'm getting older like i should have been doing that when I was 25, you feel what I'm saying? So now it's mm -hmm. up to the next wave. Right. The next wave is now hooked on Lil Baby as a rapper, you know what I'm saying? NBA young boy. Right. And I don't want to, G Herbo, like I don't want to knock on none of those rappers, man. You know, I always support a black man getting his bread and getting his money, but we're not having any of these conversations where the whole 
world can see us talking and coming together as black people mm-hmm. and having dialogue, true dialogue. Mm-hmm. I think Chance the Rapper is doing a good job of trying to spread the wave and do stuff for the city of Chicago. Um, but why isn't there more of that publicized? Mm-hmm. And it's, an, it's something that is intentional that has to happen within you as a black man, black peer, black friends. Mm-hmm. Let's show people that we can come together. We can have a conversation. It doesn't always have to be wrapped around violence or drinking or partying. It can be just around we're having lunch. We're trying to build something. This is what this actually looks like. I think Rick Ross is trying to attempt to do something like that. Um, he takes people on his wing, but it's in it's in small pockets versus trying to create something mm-hmm. for the whole system. So something that just made me think about, like, especially in our community, we talk about, like, you know, we have a hard time with, like, generational wealth, right? Because a lot of factors. But the sure. something that um, somebody said to me, our, gener- our generational wealth has, for us, has to start with healing. Just like what you were just saying, just so that the next generation has a leg up. We're structuring things differently. We're, we are having conversations and we're not raising kids the way our parents raise kids. Right. So I think that's a good step, but we have to have more of these um, conversations for sure. I have a... And people have to be willing and ready to have the conversation. That is true. Because I think, I think there's a level of growth and humility that comes with having these conversations because they're tough. They're hard. And in, in those conversations, the, the security matters so much with the individual because nothing should be taken personal. But if you're not ready and you're not open for that conversation, you're not secure and re- enough in yourself to talk to it, you're going to take everything personal. And that's not what the agenda is. Nothing is meant for it to be made personal. Well, you know what I like to say? You know, if somebody says something to you, if you can step back. Well, I actually was listening to a sermon. Somebody says something to you and you're offended. It's okay to feel whatever you feel. But can you step back yeah, from the offense and see if there's any truth to it? Right. You know something you said to me, brother? You said, we're talking about something. You said, hmm, you're not disciplined. I was a little <laughs> thrown back because you just said it with like a straight face. One thing I do like having um, conversations with men and having your guys' opinion because sometimes it, the emotion's taken out of it. It was very direct, but it wasn't hurtful. It was matter of fact. Right. First I was like, but I was like, so I do appreciate that. I have um a couple comments. Oh, your wife says Tim loves some discipline. I, well, to get to that, you are about discipline. For us, how we grew up, nothing was structured and there was chaos. So as a man, especially a man being out in the world, how did you form your discipline with no male authority, going to school, living your life, and with women? How did you, or or did you have to grow into that discipline? <laughs> well, there's, there's several aspects of that where there was different growth at different times mm-hmm. for discipline to take this course. I think the very first one would have been in sports. My discipline came quick with sports because I wanted to be good. Mm-hmm. Once I, so middle school, I didn't start playing football till middle school. Um, 
once once it started to take off and people started to like take uh take pride or ownership like i don't want to say like ownership but they started to like we need timmy we need timmy where's mm-hmm. timmy at we need to you know what i'm saying like there was that that huddle around me once that once that started to happen i was like damn i probably need to start taking it serious and then when i got to college that's when it really opened my eyes and it was a humble and when I had to stop playing football actually. And I was like, damn, what am I doing? So then I, that's when I, so I was playing two sports in college and mm-hmm. track and football. And that's when I was like, okay, let me, I got two years of track left. Let me go ahead and take this serious. So then I started to change my diet. I stopped partying as much, you know what I'm saying? So it took, it took a while, but you know what I'm saying? It's that, it's that journey. It can happen mm-hmm. 100%. Yes. Up, um, Bridget made a comment. Yes, men are so A plus B equals C. For men, it's easier to talk to men, less emotions to swim through to find the truth. What do you think of that? I would say sometimes. Mm-hmm. I would say, depending on the rapport that they have with each other, I think a lot of times it is more logical based than emotion based. I would say that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, However, when it when people are direct, when there's direct communication, that direct communication can be taken as confrontation. Mm. So that's where it gets. That's why I say like sometimes, 100% depending on that rapport or that relationship that's established between the two. So, when we're talking about mental health, you know, women have jumped on the boat of. Yes, I'm actually. We're doing. The healing, you guys are too, but I'm saying that it's more, I think, promoted. Like, we're going to therapy. Um, We're trying to fix things. Um, And statistically, men are less likely to go. Statistically, black men are less likely to go as well. It's usually the last resort. So what is your thoughts on... Do you think men are doing the work or do they have the tools to do the work? It's kind of multiple. I question. think there's more men that are doing the work than you realize. Okay. I think the, the idea around it is scary, but there are a lot of men that are seeking um, mental health support. I'm in therapy myself. I got a, about five or six friends who are in therapy. I just think on the man side, we don't talk about that. We are in therapy because again, that fear, anxiety around, Damn, is he crazy? Like, no, he's not great. No, he's all right. He's just trying to keep stay, trying to stay sharp. Um, but yeah, that's all I would say that there are more there are more men trying to take care of themselves than what um, what we know. What can we do to get men to start talking about it? Because there's other men out there that are struggling, like what you're saying, um, being the leader, um, being the provider, and all these pressures and things from their childhood, and they don't even know where to start. So if you guys aren't talking about it, how can we get you to start talking about it more? Like that trusting that you got to have that trusting person matters a lot because there's a lot of suffering in silence or suffering alone. So if, if someone doesn't feel men truly, if someone doesn't feel that they have a trusted adult or a trusted adult, trusted individual in their life, mm-hmm. they're not going to talk about it. So we got to first work on our relationships and how we're mending relationships, how we're maintaining relationships, 
how we're remending relationships when they've been broken. Mm-hmm. Because once that relationship is broken or turned off, because like I said earlier, I said you're 50% of every relationship or conversation that you're in. So if I don't take the initiative to try to rebuild that broken relationship or take that initiative to, oh, this friendship feels like it's one-sided. Am I having that conversation with that person where I feel like it's one-sided? No, I'm just saying it to myself. You know what I'm saying? So there's a lot of initiative that has to be taken and one person has to take it. That's the thing. Who's going to take that, make that commitment to take that initiative? Because that's where, that's where a lot of it fails also. I would also say that In partners, when you're picking your partner, mm. how much work is done prior to with with yourself? Because when you when you come into a situation yeah. where you're not ready for it, you're gonna make it worse. There's another mm. layer of like accountability within you individually, then there's accountability with you in a partnership or a relationship. I keep calling it partnership relationship because I have to remember that I'm here to take care of myself. If I'm not taking care of myself, I'm not able to give the love to somebody else that I know that they deserve. It's kind of like that mm-hmm. uh, on the airplane where it's like, I got to get the, the oxygen mask first before I can go and save somebody else's life. Mm-hmm. You always got to do that self work. You got to do that self work first before you can go and give yourself to somebody else. I love that. Bridget said, yes. Healthy men are sexy. <laughs> and Brianne said, therapy and healing aren't just for broken. It's also for the ones who want to continue being their best selves. Right, right. Something you said about accountability. So in relationships with, you know, your brotherhood, do you guys hold each other accountable? Like, especially like in relationships, like if you know, like your guy friend is like your best buddy, he's tripping tripping or he's cheating on his woman. He's doing all these things. Do you speak up or you just listen to the BS? What women, we won't usually speak up to our friend like, girl, what are you doing? Right. It goes back to that rapport and that relationship. There's probably like three guys. I'm going to tell them that they tripping. Mm-hmm. But you know how big my friend group, my friend group is. Right. <laughs> so it's like, and for example, I just had uh, something happen over the weekend with one of my buddies, and I reached out to him, let him know that the support is here, the love is here, um, you know. So we had a little dialogue. So like, if depending, it, it all, it all, everything starts with relationships. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it like this. Everything starts with relationships. You know the people that you can be honest with and open with and upfront with. For sure. You know the ones that you want to be honest with, open with it, upfront with, but they're not ready to hear it. So on that part of when I say when you're taking that initiative, how many times are you going to keep telling that person over and over and over again that they're messing up? Right. Probably about three or four times, and you're going to be like, well, you're going to keep messing up. However, with that happens, that initiative matters because you still can reach out like that once a month once every other month, but to let them know that you're still here of support, that conversation is just different because they're not ready for it. But again, you do know, like I said, I probably, now that I've been able to think about it, I took a little process time. There's probably like five men in my life that I'm close enough with to be like, bruh, what the heck are you doing, man? Let's get right. Like, do you need some? What do you need? Mm-hmm. So then... But a lot of a lot of men don't have that truly, like... Mm-hmm. Growing up playing sports, 
I lied to you, not any college that you go. So I was able to, I was blessed to play football and run track at UNI. But even within that, you're around all men. They're lying, manipulating, trying to cut you, trying to take your spot. Mm -hmm. They're doing all these things because that's what we learn in our culture. In the culture of sports, it's known to be like dirty and nasty, but it doesn't have to be like that. When you have a real coach that is a leader of men, he's able to bring a band, a group of strangers together to make something that is beautiful. And a lot of times we're not able to experience any of that. I didn't get to experience that until after I left you and I. Oh, so it's, wow. it's, it's crazy. Something I wanted to ask, as a man, you have these standards for yourself, how you live your life. You have a moral, a moral code, a moral compass, and you have a large Some group do. of... Huh? I said some do. Some do. So do, let's speak for yourself. You have a moral compass and things of what you stand on, how you conduct yourself as a husband, this, that, how you navigate through life. How does that affect your friendships? Like, if they're not operating on that level, do you have to separate? Do you only, like, hang around a certain amount at of the people? Beginning, at the beginning... At the beginning, there was some friction, mm -hmm. but now a couple of my buddies is about to get married. <laughs> and they understand now. So like, now they understand, you know what I mean? Anytime there's new growth, there's always going to be resistance. That's just the part of, that's the name of the game. It's the nature of the beast. So once you, once you separate yourself to do that individual work, to strengthen your, your covenant, to strengthen your situation, there's always going to be resistance from the outside because they don't understand. Tim. An interesting question I do want to ask you because I actually, I mean, I don't even think I know. I mean, I'm your sister. I consider us close, but we are, there's obviously things we would not share with each other because they're personal. Um, but there was something I was going to ask you. What, have you ever hit a mental low? I asked you this because maybe there's some things I can think, but I don't know. You, you're kind of just, you're the rational. During COVID, I was down. I was hurt during COVID. I was hurt. Like? I, that's when I felt depression. I felt depression two times in my life. Mm -hmm. When football stopped, when I stopped playing football, and COVID. I think COVID was probably lower than when I stopped playing football. Okay. So with the, let's start with the football. Who did you share that with? Because I don't really think I know knew that. I think the only thing I knew, I'll tell you I knew this, and only because... Um, someone overheard you on the phone. I don't know who the guy I was with. When you came back to after you graduated college, undergrad, and you came back, and he said he said he told me I think your brother's a little down. He was like he heard you talking to somebody saying that you don't know what you're doing. It's like you had you were in college. You were doing. It was like you're in this new chapter and you didn't know where you fit. That's what he said. He kind of overheard, right. and that's what he took from it. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I was down when I moved in with y'all. Okay. Um, You're just trying to figure it out. It was more, I, I didn't know, shit, I had nothing. <laughs> we try to, to, to make some shake. I try to make some shake. I ain't got no dice in my hand. So okay. uh, that, I wouldn't say I was down. Like I was like I was down during, uh, when I got, when I didn't get to play football anymore, who did, I was hurt. Who did you talk to the, to share those emotions? Will, Will, knows, Will, Will knows about it. Bree knows about it. I talk mm -hmm. about football all the time. Mm -hmm. um, I would say Jared probably knows. There's people that know. Oh. Yeah, yeah. 
question, just curiosity. Why didn't you ever say anything to me? I don't think I knew that. I don't know if I... Just, cur just curious. I would probably, let me see. I probably didn't tell you just because I didn't want to see. So there's other things where it's like, you don't want to feel like you're a burden to somebody. So I was like, what? Well, I'm going to get through it. We're going to make it, we're going to get through it. But yeah, I was, I was hurt. Well, just so you know, you're never a burden to me, Tim. No, I know. I know. If you're sad, I'm I sad. Know, no, you guys, I got to tell you this weird story. I moved here to Arizona and you hurt your, your back was hurt. You was down for a minute and we we're talking on the phone and I was asking you like 50 questions because you were hurt and you were really annoyed <laughs> like you should because you were in pain, but I could hear the pain in your voice and I got off the phone and I was like crying. I was so sad because I never heard you be physically, I could tell you were in so much physical pain and there was like nothing I can do about it. But I'll be fine. You're fine, but yeah, just, you're never a burden to me is what I'm saying, no matter how old we get. Yeah. And then with COVID, what struck the, this depression in COVID? <laughs> I gotta move, I gotta move around, baby. Anybody know me, I got to move. And I was locked in. I was locked. I felt like I was in jail. I felt like jail. I couldn't go to the gym. We couldn't go out to eat. I gained a bunch of weight. Yeah. You seen that picture when I had the cat the cat on the... Uh, the, on the, on the leash? The dog chain. Yeah, that was weird. Leash. Yeah, yeah. I started biking. Like, I was trying to find anything I could do to move, to get out the house. But yeah, that was that was a tough time. But where does that come from? You always have to be moving and shaking. I mean, you were you were like that as a kid. Is that just who you are? You were I like think, that. As I a think kid. it's a. I think it's a. I honestly think it's a trauma response. Mm. You know, when you're being around all that chaos and moving from place to place, being evicted from place to place, like I was just always on the move. So like I just, you just get used to moving all the time, and it's hard to like sit still. Now it's, I think, if I reflect back during those times there was so much going on that I wanted to be a part of and I didn't want to feel like I was missing out on. Mm -hmm. And then once I started to mature, breathe, made things a lot more aware to me as well, as far as, bro, just sit your hand down. <laughs> You're not really missing nothing. And then once that, once that kind of like opened my eyes to that, I was like, damn, I'm really not missing nothing. <laughs> I don't need to be a move. So now, now it's a lot easier for me to be at peace and just be chilling. Well, being at peace is, a beautiful thing. I do want to ask, what made you start going to therapy? Uh, why did I start going to therapy? I think a lot of stuff with mom, to mm -hmm. be honest. Uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't work through that. And, you know, with that situation, it's interesting, like, you, you know, you became into your own and then you were able to kind of just deal with it and work through it where... I think my experience was a little different. It just like followed me from, you know, cause I was, I would say I, I felt like I was shielding you from things. I don't know if I was, but I felt like. No, you were blanketing me for sure. <laughs> for sure. But did that even I help? Because I... then you had to think about it. Then you had to, did I even do you any justice? Would it have been better if like once we came all living together, you left, you left when you were leaving her household in the seventh grade, us, but I don't even know if I had the capacity. I, I, I'm sure I did not. Right. 
But would it have been better at some point if I had sat down and had conversations? Like about what's going on? What's going on? Because some things, I don't know if you even knew the extent. I think, nah, because it helped me with football. Okay. Football was my release. I was able to let all that out on the football field. And so, so maybe, nah, I, yeah, I think I was cool, to be honest with you. I don't think I would have been as good as football as I was if I didn't have that inside of me to keep me, keep my motor going. I needed to have something to, to burn it, burn from. That was my burning light. So you didn't grow up with your father, and then you had the strained relationship with our mother, um, which... I was taking our mom was on drugs, so that's why there was this strain. We're being totally transparent on the show, so we went through a lot with that. How did that end up affecting your relationship with her later? Like having your you having a son and would do anything for your child, though I will say she has drug addiction is a disease. Yeah. But how did that I don't trust nothing Shorty got to say? <laughs> Look, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a process. So in therapy, is that what you had to work on? Yeah, it was just accepting her for who she is. And I accept her for who she is. I ain't got to trust her though, but I accept her. Like, I still love her. That's my mom. I'm going to go get her for crit. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to do the son things. I'm going to like to do it. I love her having time with her. She came up and visited. We like spending time with her. Uh-huh. Um, Kingston needs to meet it, deserves to meet his grandma. She's still alive. You know, there's a lot of people that don't have their grandmas or moms. So I came to a realization that just, I just got to accept her for who she is. And my behaviors have to role model that as well. Like, I can't say I accept her for who she is and then still treat her like a doormat. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, it's. I'm glad you, I think we both have got, <laughs> gotten there. You said, I don't trust Shorty side. <laughs> but what you guys don't know, in um, December, I'm actually going to go to Iowa. I spend a, the great thing is I, I spend a lot of time with them. So I'm going to be there for a month. And my yeah, mom. I'm in your room. Huh? Yeah, you're in my room. I'm in your room. <laughs> we, my mom is actually our mom is going to be we're going to do a podcast I don't and she's going to kind of tell her story and um, <laughs> look I don't know y'all I don't know if I'm going to go live <laughs> okay Ludi something else she's going to be a good time she's going to laugh but I think it'll be interesting to kind of just tell her her truth get her stuff out on the table but we might not do it live, y'all. It might have to be pre-recorded. <laughs> no, no. So uh, let me get to some of the comments. Ooh. Oh, <laughs> Bridget said no live recording with Ludie. <laughs> and she said, "Um, I like something she said. Um, it's okay to shield kids and let them be kids. You were a fun, you, you were like a true kid. Like you like to play, bike, and all. So those are the great memories I have of you. You got on my nerves, Tim. You always wanted to be around me. And then when I wanted to be around you, you didn't want to be around me. 
<laughs> that's, that's usually how that goes. So I do have this question. Um, and women, I want you to put this in. How can men support us in our um, mental health and in our growth? But I want to, so you can put that in the chat. And men, I want you to put this in the chat. If you're listening, and Tim answer this as well, how can we support, how can women, how can we be supportive or make it easier for you to be vulnerable and be honest with us when you're struggling mentally? I think the number one thing is you cannot throw it back in somebody's face because that's, that's the quick and easiest way to hurt somebody. And that's why a lot of people don't want to talk about none because they don't want to be hurt. I just told you something super personal, and I just threw that in my face because you got upset with me and you got mad at me. There's a level of emotional maturity and emotional intelligence that goes with someone being vulnerable. And if the vulnerability foundation isn't there, and if it does happen and it's broken, it is so hard to rebuild that again. Because women are so quick to throw something in somebody's face as soon as they get mad. I agree. Um, I've heard stories where like, even we're going back to men, like someone was telling me how their relative made more money. She's a woman made more than the man. So he, if he came home early from not doing overtime, she'd be like, what are you doing here? Like, it it still felt like it was demasculating. Like that is a grown man. You're not going to, if I come home at my time, you're not going to ask me, why did I come here? Why am I home? So it's, Throwing that, even if it's not like a situation they talk to you about, it's still throwing it in their <laughs> face for sure. Oh, Bridget said, um, sorry for giving you that wedgie. <laughs> uh, oh, you can see, you probably deserved it. I like that. In a relationship, there needs to be a safe space. In the safe space, you just wait, in the, in the safe split. In the safe place, you just receive. No reacting or responding, just taking it in and praying about it. I like that because personally, what I'm working on is, Tim, you know, I like, I am opinionated and I want to give you some advice. I want to tell you, sometimes I'd be like, shut the hell up. They're just talking. They're just putting it out there. And I think, um, you know how they say men are fixers too. Like when you, when your woman has issues, you just want to fix, fix, fix. It's vice versa. But sometimes you just need that safe space to just listen. I think you can also ask the question, which is the level of awareness of how do you want me to be right now in this conversation? Do you want me to be a listening person or are you asking me to kick out feedback? Because now that helps you understand your role in the conversation. Now, that doesn't make the conversation any less inauthentic by any means, but that helps you as a listener understand who I'm supposed to be while we're having this conversation. Because, again, there's a lot of skills that go into being the active listener when somebody is talking. Mm -hmm. We have to have the mind space. We have to have the capacity to do it. And we have to be willing, a willing participant to be a part of the conversation. We all have long days. We all have a lot of things going on. And a lot of times, you know, sometimes I just don't want to hear it. I'm cool. I'm cool. 
So when asking the question, how do you want me to be in this conversation right now, it's helpful. So another question, you know, we're talking about you have to do this inner work. What does inner work, it's going to mean something different for all people, but for you, because maybe sharing, right, we get ideas, what works, but what is doing inner work to you? Like what tools, what things do you do? Uh, work on social awareness. So who am I in a space amongst other people? Cultural awareness, being able to work with, work with and talk with anybody who is different from me, being aware of what my biases are because we all have them. Mm, We all have them. So how am I aware of those biases? Um, Remaining curious and not judgmental and the fact of let me ask more questions versus making these judgments because who is the only person that can judge is that that man above, right? We don't have no powers to make no judgments upon nobody, but we do it anyways. So how are we trying to be more curious than judgmental? And then being self-aware. What affects me? What impacts me? What boundaries have I set? How am I letting people interact with me? How am I interacting with others? And then how am I managing all of that? That self-management. Yes, I love it. So, you know, at the end of the podcast, we played this little game. Um, I want to, I don't remember your answers from last time, but they could be different. A lot changes in two years. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you some questions. And the first word you think of, you down? Okay. One word that best describes you. What is your theme song? Ultralight, uh, ultralight beam. What motivates you? My family. Your personal hero. Personal hero? Mm -hmm. Miss Tamika Johnson. Oh, thanks, brother. (laughs) Oh, what? I appreciate it. What is your what is your wildest dream? To have my own charter school. Oh, brother. And anything you put your mind to, you will do it. In the name of Jesus, that will happen. And what legacy do you want to leave behind? Legacy? Um, that I was kind. What's your purpose? give to others and teach what do you want God to say once your journey is complete here on this earth well done good brother Johnson hey (laughs) (laughs) so what do you want to leave with like the men that are struggling with mental health I got you that's powerful. Get to know yourself. Yeah, get to, get to know yourself. There are more people that are in support of you than you know. You just have to be willing to open that door to start that conversation. You don't have to continue to struggle in silence. You don't have to continue to do things alone. 
there are people in your life who got your back. And the crazy thing about that is it's going to be people that you don't even suspect are those people that got your back, but they got it. Um, also, there's a cat named Jason Wilson. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Jason Wilson. This bald black dude. He has like a, on Instagram, it's like Mr. Jason Wilson is his Instagram. He has this school for young black boys. And they can, they come and they learn martial arts, but then they also learn like different things about themselves and how they can break through and get free of all of that emotional turmoil, turmoil and inherited traumas at, through like epigenetics. Are you guys familiar with epigenetics? Look that up if you're not mm -hmm. familiar with it. Epigenetics basically is the study of past biology and all of ancestral energy emotion is just getting passed down generation through generation through generation. Um, it's actually really cool. It's becoming pretty, pretty popular and prevalent in the world as far as kind of trying to explain different nuances of emotions that are happening with different things of what you have. Um, but yeah, tap into Mr. Jason Wilson. He's dope. Um, and get out and read, start reading. Um, one mm -hmm. thing that is, I forgot to mention this. I do audio book every morning before on my way to work. Just get out and read. Try to enhance your brain, learn some, um, and don't be afraid. There's no reason to be afraid anymore. Uh, I think social media has constructed our brains to be, to put us in this box, and we don't have to fit in this box if you don't want to be in this box. And if you want to grow, you can do it. Uh, if you have to start to cut people out of your life, you got to do it to be better. Do it. Mm -hmm. Those people will understand. They will be okay. Um, you can reform that relationship at another time. And last, be kind. Just be nice. I love it. Thank you so much, Tim. Oh, Bridget said, Bree, you got a good one. And your wife said, I know, Bridget. And any. I see the comments, bro. I know. But I'm reading it for the, like, people. But I guess, oh. yeah. If they're just. And also, you got to remember, I am. It streams on. Um, Apple Podcasts, you guys, and I'm on Spotify, so I have to read. <laughs> My brother, you're, you know, has to give me grief. But I want to end it with saying thank you for, like, coming on. I'm, like, kind of, like, I just realized it was, like, the two-year mark, and um, you started the first episode with me. Anyone that knows me, you guys know how I feel about my brother. I think he's my, he's my favorite person. Um, I think he's the best guy ever. He's a, You're a role model to me. Now you tell me what to do. But, um, yep. Big I, dog, big dog, big dog, big right, dog. Right, right. I appreciate you, and I love you. So, that being said, if you guys enjoy this conversation, hit that subscribe and that notification button. Share this episode. Um, you don't want to miss another episode of Divine Honey Podcast. You can also listen to the show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. The links are um, in my About section. I'll also put them in the comments section. Um, if you're interested in being a guest on Divine Honey Podcast, or if there's a topic that you are wanting us to discuss, um, please email me at Bougie Girl. Let me put my email up. Let me put my little banners up. Also, you can follow me at, uh, and I'm playing. No, no, you can put yours too. I need to start. I, I don't got, 
<laughs> that is true. So you can email me. I'm at just trying to be cool. You know how to. You know I got my AirPods. And you know how them people do it on podcasting. They're trying to look, you know, just trying try to look the part. Trying to look the part. Okay, yeah. mm-hmm. bougie girl at gmail.com. That's b o o s h e g u r l at gmail.com. You guys, you can also follow me. The same thing, bougie girl underscore llc on Instagram. You guys, come on. Get me on TikTok. It's Bougie Girl on TikTok. I'm trying to be able to go live. And I need like 200 more followers. So just share and check me out. So until next time, peace and blessings. And you guys, thank you for spending your Sunday with us. Love you guys. And Yeah, I appreciate it. Appreciate you. Thank you, Tim, for being a guest. Absolutely. All right. I got you, champ. All right. Be smooth. We just leave or how we get up out here? Uh, what's good?